now, brought to you by Ligaris Roasters, the coffee alchemists behind Gut Check Espresso. www.ligarisroasters.com Coming to you live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from the Nakatomi Cigar Room in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend and partner in radio, Zachary Bartles. And Zach, when I say in studio, uh, I actually mean that I'm in the Nakatomi Smoking Lounge in person, because I'm back in Michigan. Um, I'm doing a three-week-long tour of Michigan called Holy Shift, (laughs) in which I drive from town to town. (laughs) <laughs> I drive from town to town and I bloviate on each stop of the tour um, in a very deep and meaningful way. So, in a post-structural way. In a post-structural, kind of deconstructionist sort of way. <laughs> and uh, I have enjoyed my bloviating, as have uh, my audiences all along the way. And now, um, as luck would have it, as Providence would have it, um, our journeys have taken us back here to Lansing, right back in here into the Nakatomi Smoking Lounge, which really, to me, feels like home. This is radio home to me. Now, Ted, do you know uh, where you're going to die? <laughs> to be determined, baby. Oh, you're deep. That's how I like to keep it. I like to keep it a little mysterious, <laughs> right? Like my good friend, PR. Peter PR, Rollins. We call him PR. He's a- we call him PR. Got a little bit of hate mail from old man Rollins there in <laughs> Belfast, but, um, but we worked it out. You know, we worked it out. So we're not alone here in the Nakatomi smoke room. We've got a couple of uh, got lovely a couple of ladies. Very special guests in the studio. Um, Zach, I like the energy they bring. I'm not going to lie. I like the energy. energy. I like the enthusiasm. The room. Yeah, yeah. Everyone doesn't have to be enthused about our show. Our show isn't enthused about all people. Right. I mean, it's our show is a self-contained unit. <laughs> you know what? We do the show. Uh, we put it out there, and, and you may or may not be enthusiastic about it. But, uh, Zach, why don't you tell the audience who the lovely ladies are tonight? In well, the these would be our wives, mm. uh, Kristen Cluck and Aaron Bartles, and they're, uh, well, they're, they've gone full 90s, and they're smoking Jarum Blacks. Mm. I like that. Yeah, me too. Me I like, too. I like when they smoke Jarum Blacks. I, I also like Jarum Blacks, but I like especially when they smoke them. <laughs> I don't know. Don't get me started on that. But, baby, we have... Uh, we have a lot of radio to do tonight on our program, and it's, uh, it's a late night here in the Nakatomi Smoke Lounge, um, because that's what we do. We put in full days of work and then some. We work hard for our audience. We are a hard-working company. Tomorrow, we're going to be designing some t-shirts, so we're going to dip back into the apparel business a little bit tomorrow, um, based on the outrageous demand that you've experienced on social media. People want Summer of Gut Check Tour t-shirts and I couldn't be more excited about this. Yeah, they, they want them and they shall have them. Baby, we're about to make radio history, aren't we? In that, uh, in the amount of time it takes most <laughs> podcasts to get in, like, 250 or so. Uh, we put in 100. We've put in 100. Yeah. How, how, how many does Happer rant on? Because we started about the same time. Dude, uh, I don't know. I think they're on, like, 300. or. <laughs> I, we yeah. started, like, a month and a half after that did. You know what, though? Quality, not quantity. That's what I'm after. Which is the opposite, actually, of... The Park a conceit Slope in our writers. Book. Yeah, the Park yeah. Slope Writers Collective. They, they go for quantity. And, and I find that most anthologies mm-hmm. uh, that, that are put out by writing groups, mm-hmm. quantity is really... But, it, you know, one's not better than the other. That's quantity right. and quality are both important. Who are we to say? 
That's a that's bounded set thinking. If I were to say that one is better than the other, in a post-structural in a post-structuralist world. world in which we live, uh, who am I to do bounded set thinking? But um, Zach, you know one one thing that is bounded set that gives me a lot of comfort is the fact that it's Gut Check Literacy Month. Um, are you going right to that? I thought we were going to talk about our sponsor. A little we bit. are going to talk about that, but I want to tease Gut Check tease Literacy it, Month. Tease it out. I'm going to tease it. I'm just going to very gently tease it, and then we're going to go back into. Um, I like how there's there's a little string yeah. hanging from the the boom mic stand. And, I'm teasing and, this well, ever so you're, you're gently, aren't I? That. As Tim, I'm talking Tim about goes, teasing, I'm going to tease it, and he's I'm just going to tease, got... just going to tease it out, you know, <laughs> little by little. Um, Zach Gutcheck Literacy Month is a bounded set concept that uh, that I'm a huge fan of because it gives us uh, as moguls, as business people. As authors, um, as creators of media, a chance to give back. Um, this isn't all about us, even though, you know, largely by and large on this program, we talk about ourselves, <laughs> yeah, and each other, and our projects, and how sort of tickled we are with the words that we write. Um, check literacy month to me, and girls, maybe you can weigh on the, weigh in on this a little bit. It's a chance to give back. It's bigger. Uh, it's bigger. It's bigger than you and me. Uh, but it really, in a, in a more real way, it's really all about us and our projects and our words and how funny we think they are. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, Zach, I want to talk about business. Um, Zach, I want to talk about a, uh, an issue that I'm having in business and that we're having together as a company. And I want you to help me think through this because right. something, something happened to us as a company. Um, and I, I'm just going to give a quick chronology of the turn of events that I'm, that I'm speaking of. Uh, about a year ago, uh, I went into business with a coffee roaster. Hey, can we go back? Yeah. If we're going to timeline this thing, mm -hmm. like eight years? Uh-huh. And talk about how you and I were out on your back deck saying someday we, yeah. gut check, yeah. will have a brand of coffee. We can because I like that kind of reminiscing. And we were that talking that about makes me happy. family you have yep. in uh, Panama. Yeah, we talked about some connections. We were just dreaming big eight we years looked, ago. We looked into it a little bit. We had, and then what happened was, what happened with a lot of ideas we had, which was what we talked about them, yeah. and then we talked about other different things. We talk about different things. From time to time, we get distracted, and we end up going in different directions. Yeah. But, um, so I'm then here, a year and a half ago, go, you know, yeah, I'm here to up. tell you that we did, in fact, start a coffee company. Uh, because I partnered with Hector Ligaris, um, a very exotic gentleman who happens to live in the same metro area as me. Why is that funny? He is exotic. He's exotic. He's foreign. He's foreign. He is a coffee roaster. He inspects um, the, the beans. Lovingly inspects the beans and then roasts the beans. And then we have, we have coffee, right? Uh -huh. We have Gut Check uh, Signature Blend Espresso. And, um, it's the best espresso there is. It's the best espresso there is. And Zach, for a while, I tell you, having a coffee company was everything that I hoped and dreamed it would be. In that, from time to time, free bags of coffee would show up on our doorstep. Why, why are you contorting your body in that, in that fashion? I was just making sure it was recording, and it is. Oh, it is? Yeah. I'm so well. glad. All is well. Because I don't know that I could recreate what yeah, we just the did magic. There. The magic of what we just like did. I feel like we're really laid back right now. I like it though. I'm not gonna lie. I really, really like what we have going on. Here. <laughs> okay. At the beginning, and you tell me if this is how you felt. 
didn't you just wake up in the morning from time to time and go, you know what, I've got a coffee company. Yeah. yeah. This is amazing. You know, you wake up. I got a bag of coffee. This is what yeah. I've gotten out of this deal, too. Yeah. I got a bag of that coffee for free one time. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I made it. I ground the beans up into, into powder. Sure. Ground, one, grounds, more like you'd call them grounds. And as then one I, does. And yeah. then over the course of about a week, I turned those grounds into, into liquid coffee. <laughs> Drink it, and I, and then I, and then I ran out of it pretty quick, and that's the end of my involvement at this point. Actually, well, so moguls, mavens, tycoons, but sometimes, yeah, I wake up and I go, yeah, I did get a free. Coffee. <laughs> and I think, wow, I never thought I'd get here. <laughs> I know. You know, as a as a kid growing up in Bay City, <laughs> riding your bike to school, just dreaming. You uh-huh. know? Just dreaming big. <laughs> you never thought I'm gonna be a part of something like this. Yeah, right. right? Uh-huh. Where you get that bag of coffee. And for about Four or five days, you enjoy it. You know what I mean? Living large. Living large. Uh-huh. So that's the life, Zach, that we were living for a while. Right. You know, when it was the honeymoon period, and we had just gotten our coffee company, and we were we were just feeling like, you know what, the world's our oyster. I bought some new suits. I bought some new suits, too. <laughs> and, I, and I just thought, you know what, there's nothing we can't do. Now, here's where it got dicey, okay? Um... I learned via you, because you're active on the world of social media, you know what's going on. You keep tabs on things in our industry. And by our industry, I mean the coffee business, right? And you, you came to me, Zach, um, and you said to me, Church Curmudgeon now has a coffee blend with our coffee roaster, Hector Lagares. And it's very true, and he is very active in promoting it. He's very active in promoting it, and, and, and let me say this for the record, okay? Let me say this. God bless Hector Lagares. I, I wish him nothing but the best in this industry. Um, I, I, there's no ill will from me toward Hector Lagares about partnering with the church curmudgeon. Here's where... What's he going to say? No? Yeah, exactly. You've got 783,000 Twitter followers who will probably buy whatever you're selling... Sure, I'm on board, right? Here's my issue, though, Zach. I'm just going to be real honest with you. Okay. okay. Yeah. When I get up in the morning and I put on my black pinstripe suit <laughs> and I go into the office to do uh, coffee business because uh-huh. <laughs> I'm in the beverage industry now, uh-huh. and I look in the mirror and I think, I think I'm the, I'm the head of my own coffee business. Uh-huh. And I hear you tell me that the church curmudgeon has, has circumnavigated. He's gone around us. Yeah, yeah. And now he's partners with, with my partner in the coffee business. And he hasn't even talked to me. But he hasn't even cleared it with me. Nobody, didn't do, nobody, nobody called us. Nobody called Gut Check Corporate to say, is it okay if we approach your coffee guy? This is, this is where I take umbrage. This is where I have an issue. And you tell me, you're a man of the cloth, and you're also my friend. 
You're also my business partner in media, in books, and now in coffee. Yeah. You tell me, am I off base here? Am I way out of line, Zach? Ted, you're way in line. Thank you. You're on base. Because I'm not going to lie to you, I felt like I was in line. I felt the whole time as though I was in line. And here's the thing. He, I don't even know. I don't believe that he needed to come and get your permission, your sign-off. Mm-hmm. He's, he's free to do what he wants. He's free he's to a, say... He's a grown man. Yeah, oh, he's an old man, the church curmudgeon. That's right. The church curmudgeon, by the way, has been on this program. Yeah, he's a friend. I thought he was a friend of the program. He broke a contract with Gut Check Press, and we turned a blind eye. I mean, it was a verbal, it was a verbal contract, but we were going to do certain books, yeah. and he said, no, 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 Satan Martin's Press is going to do those books. And so, um, I feel like we've extended already a, a, a good deal of... Uh, of goodwill. Of goodwill. As it and were. he needed... What he ought to have done... You're the common denominator here. Happy Rent Blend, Gut Check Espresso, Hector Ligaris, Ted Cluck. It's all one big, beautiful, swirling vortex of coffee. You know what? I don't want to sit here and talk all night about all the things I've done in the coffee business, but I have done a few things. Have you, gotten, <laughs> you, know, have you ever gotten it. a free bag of coffee? <laughs> Zach, I've gotten more than one free bag of coffee. Really? And let me, How let do me, you get on that train? Let me tell you this. I, I'll, I'll tell you what helps to be on that train. You go to church with Hector Ligaris? You go to church with Hector <laughs> Ligaris. And do you, do you know what Hector Ligaris said to me? No. He said this. How would uh, I? In this... <laughs> Well, I mean, I could have told you oh, in, right, the, okay. in the many conversations that we have <laughs> via text on the phone. Though not many on the phone, you know, as we talked about before. <laughs> Hector Ligara said this to me, and I quote. He said, my friend, you will never buy coffee again. Oh, my gosh. I buy coffee all the time, though. I can't do the action. She said. She I can't do the accent because out of respect for Hector Lagaris, I'm not doing the accent. Ted's wife wants to get him in trouble. She demanded he do an accent. Wait, you did the accent when you recreated that moment with me. Yeah, but that was off the air. That was okay. in private. Okay. So, here's the thing. Yeah. Wheeling it back to mm-hmm. a, a real beef we have with this guy. Yeah. Um, he needed to come and see you or he at did. least pick up the phone. I wanted him and to... And he needed to kiss the ring. Come on. I wanted him to come to my office on the day of my daughter's wedding. And, and ask in a, for something. In a, in a yeah. very dimly lit office uh, as I'm there and people are, people are coming in to pay their respects. Um, I wanted him to come in and in a, in a very meek and deferential sort of way, sit on the other side of my gigantic mahogany desk and ask me in a very respectful tone uh, if he could do business with Hector Ligaris and Ligaris Roasters. And um, that's not what happened, Zach. It's not. It's not at all. I'm. Tell me when I get close. I'm looking for the picture. Oh, another. Oh, I can't yeah, reach it. Is. Oh, this is it. All right. So I want. I want to suggest. We. Got, I've got this picture here. This framed picture from Megan Tennant. Mm-hmm. Illustrator extraordinaire. freaking there. Artist in residence at Gut Check. Amazing, amazing mm-hmm. work. Um, my question is, how long until you see a picture like this? With the church curmudgeon as the subject, is he moving in? Uh, first books, then coffee. With wow. your coffee guy, Zach, you've uh, you've put a scenario in front of me tonight that I hadn't yet. I hadn't. I hadn't plumbed the depths of this thing. 
Okay. I, I think God's I haven't thought through that. Megan, don't do it. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. And, and what we mean, don't do the wrong thing. That's it. That's it. Zach, we've already been through a lot in this business. <laughs> and, you know, you get into coffee and you got big dreams. Uh-huh. You know, you're wide-eyed. You're inspecting coffee beans, and you're you, you're smelling the bag of coffee, the one bag, in your case, and you're just thinking, you know what, the sky's the limit on this, and and then something like this happens, it's a blow. How, the, my question is to you, how do we recover as a company? Where do we go? How do we get our bearings? There are there are a few options. One, small claims court. Okay. I don't know. I'm listening. <laughs> I don't know if I, I feel like we don't really have like coffee isn't really our intellectual property like mm-hmm. coffee as a concept mm-hmm. so that may be I haven't thought that one through option two mm-hmm. forgive and forget mm. I don't like that one very much even though it seems like the Christian thing to do we'll think it through we'll take a wait and see on that option three <laughs> we go to him we force him to kiss the ring that's right repeatedly if you know what I mean I do Here's the ring. Mm-hmm. And then we say, listen, we now own 30% of church curmudgeon coffee. I want 30% You're going to kick back Zach. to us. Zach, you're speaking my language right now. <laughs> and what we're doing really here on the air tonight is having a business meeting. And what we're doing is we're, we're tossing around numbers and percentages, uh-huh. um, which, is, <laughs> which is what business people do. And we got Sylvia Lavorde in the corner taking notes. That's right. They're going to have minutes. And the minutes are going to be very extensive. And here's what the minutes are going to say. The minutes are going to say, Church curmudgeon, if you're listening, we want 30% of the take. And we want it now. Okay? It'd be a shame if something happened to one of those old hips of yours. That's right. One of those old titanium hips of yours. (laughs) We know. We know what you're dealing with. We want 30%. We see you, Church curmudgeon. You have 48 hours to respond. There's always an ultimatum. Ted, happier stuff. I'm, I'm just looking at this. Yeah. We haven't talked about this yet. Haven't we? We've talked as, as people we, we, we've about We've talked it. about at yeah. length about how much we love it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. If you're, you know, you're going to talk over there, talk. This is radio, not television. There you go. That's my wife. Hans Booby, this is radio, not television. I, I accidentally married an egalitarian. Mm. She thinks she can <laughs> speak to me. On a, on a radio show. Isn't the Bible clear about this? <laughs> I think there was, a, there was nine things you need to know about wives talking during radio shows yeah. on the Gospel Coalition. But I read that. I missed I read that, that one. Blog. Yeah. Um, this is this, this beautiful picture from MT Illustrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan Tennant uh, turned this around in, what, a week? Yeah, or, or less. And I have to imagine yeah. this was, you know, in addition and uh, uh, after her real work as an illustrator, right. for which she is paid by people who have money to pay her. Correct. I could have given you part of a bag of coffee, Megan, yeah. but I'm glad I didn't have to. And I yeah. got to enjoy the whole thing. <laughs> um, so, on this sucker, I mean, just what we see here is a perfect adaptation of the cover of the movie made. Yes. In which Bobby Rosigliano and uh, Ricky, Ricky Slade, Slade are stretched out. Like he's gentlemen. a tall drink of he's water. He's a tall drink he's of water. Stretches stuff out. That's right. In the back of a limo is where they are. They're in the back. We're in the back of that same limo. We're in the back of the limo. And she's got the positioning of all the, everything. Uh, so you're the you're the Vince Vaughn guy. Yeah. You've got Slade. one leg way stretched out, and you're gesticulating. Yes. 
Because I'm telling a story. I'm telling a funny thing. And then I'm kind of clutching my stomach. We're both smoking cigars, and I'm yeah. laughing uproariously, which That's I often right. do on the program. I mean, right, not so much today because it's some serious issues. It's solemn. We're working out business issues on the program. But <laughs> the, the placement of the, the body and the hands and everything is exactly Perfect. like on, except in Made, they're both angry. Yeah. And here, she somehow translated it into both of us being jovial. We're both having a nice time in this one. And on the, littering the floor. However, we're still, we're still fearsome gangsters, though. Oh, we are, yeah. So I want the church curmudgeon when he sees this picture to know that, that um, we're gangsters and we're gentlemen and we're not kidding around about the 30%. We're not, well, we're not kidding. Um, and what, what do you see littering the floor there, Ted? Describe for the peoples. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm going to start from left and, and work to the right. I see one bag of Gutcheck signature <laughs> That's blend. Mine. That might have been the one bag. That might have been your bag. <laughs> Of gut check espresso on the on the on the floor of the limo. I see uh, some manuscript pages for Reraptured, uh, our very popular Rapture novel, um, centerpiece of Gut Check Literacy Month, which we'll get to momentarily. Um, I see some discarded cans. Uh, I see Jolt Cola. I see a monster. I see a Guru, former sponsor guru. of the self same podcast. I had a guru, guru today. Organic energy, very uh, popular drink. Um, I see a diehard DVD case. Um, one, of the, one of the signature movies here on the Gut Check Podcast that we like to talk about often. And then finally, a 12-pack of tacos from Taco Bell because that was um, kind of the centerpiece, the set piece, if you will, of one of our more popular episodes, Zach, in the history of this program, the hallowed history of which we are um, right around the corner from 100 episodes. And uh, I, I tell you, I just couldn't be more tickled about that. Um, it, it, Zach, the the hundred episodes has gone by, um, you know, in a, in a heartbeat, in the blink of an eye. You know, it seems like just yesterday <laughs> it was 2014, uh-huh. and we were at your dining room table. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, the first studio. I'm really excited because this puppy is now framed. Yeah. This this Aaron, uh, so I can tell the people this is still the same object, the uh, the picture from from Megan Tennant, mm-hmm. and. It's going to be hung on the wall tomorrow. Yep. Uh, opposite a picture of, of you and I, uh, a photograph of you and I. Yeah. Uh, of you and me. Um, and this is going to complete this room in a very real way. Baby, this room looks better every time I, um, every time I record in here, every time I spend time in here. This Wait. room has been the site of so much business, so much creativity, so much happiness for the company. Um, I... I, I this is just the tip. You know, it's the tip of the tip iceberg. Tip of the iceberg. Tip of the cap to us as a company. Tip uh-huh. of the iceberg. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. To, for, yeah. That's my wife. That's the lovely KK. The dulcet tones of her, of her laughter. <laughs> what are you laughing at there, cupcake? Tip of the cap to us, to a couple of gentlemen. Is it actually the literal end? No, it's like like if like this was like the '40s, and I were wearing a fedora, and I wanted to show uh, respect or, yeah. or sort of deferential treatment. I would, he would tip I would, his cap. I would tip my cap. Will you tip the cap to the church curmudgeon? No. If if I get thirty percent, tip of my walking stick to that gentleman. Does right. the church curmudgeon need to tip the cap to you? I yeah. think he needs to kiss the ring and tip the cap. Kiss the ring, tip the cap, beg for read, mercy. 
He could have saved himself an awful a whole world of hurt with just a he second could've. of respect. Is That's what you're right. saying? That's right. You know what? Pick up the phone. That's all you got to do. Pick up the old like old man. Pick up the old man rotary cordless, dial phone. No, cordless phone with the yeah. like you pull out the dude. Uh, yeah, it's kind of tan, but it's also kind of like just dirty tan because of <laughs> how, how many hands have held it. Yeah, yeah. And, and when his it, it, wife it, it, tries to clean it, there's no getting all that yeah. grime off. She hits it with a little Windex a couple of times a year, but it just doesn't make any difference. <laughs> but it's a thought that counts, you know? It's got the extending... Uh, did you guys have that in yeah, your Yeah, the home? extending, like, the little, like, and oscillating... You, yeah, you felt thing. like the man walking oh, yeah. around like Walking around. Dude, I'm not tethered to a cord. Yeah. You know what? I can walk wherever I want on this phone call. Did you miss having the phone, the, the phone cord to kind of play with? I did, because I'm a fidgeter. I like to fidget when I'm on the phone. <laughs> That's why, yeah. I mean, this is radio, not television, but uh, there's a string hanging off the mic stand, and I'm just kind of <laughs> gently caressing it as I record. It just makes me feel more at home here in the studio. <laughs> Zach, what else, uh, what else are we talking about? You know, today? I wanted to tell you about a movie that we watched today, which we've talked okay. about before, which uh-huh. the four of us have watched before. Okay. It is a movie called The Karate Kid Part 3. I'm... Well familiar, well acquainted with the movie. Which we had established as the worst movie ever made. It, it might be. I, I think it is. I think it's safe to say. I told my son. He, had, he didn't remember. He, I think he may have seen it, but he didn't remember it. I said, listen, you may feel like this movie is still kind of good 20 minutes in. Yeah. But a character is about to wrong. come on the screen. Yeah. And his name is Snake. Uh-huh. It's Terry Silver's son, Snake. Yeah. If you're going to be a bad boy in Los Angeles, Snake's the boy to be bad with, isn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely. At which point Snake says... You know it. Uh-huh. And the reason that Snake sucks is because it actually is the director's son. Uh-huh. The actor is. Yeah. And he tried and tried and tried to be, to, to get the part of Mike Barnes' karate's bad boy. Yeah. And, of course, Mike Barnes' karate's bad boy mm-hmm. played by the worst actor alive. Uh-huh. And he still couldn't get the part. Yeah. So they created a new part for him. Yep. The part of Snake. Yeah, Carrie Snake. Silver's son. Who does nothing but just suck and stink up every scene. Here's yeah. the thing I want to tell you. Yeah. The movie, when you're <laughs> expecting it to be the worst thing you've seen. Yes. Is actually not that bad. Oh, fascinating. It wasn't that bad. And let me tell you a couple <laughs> things I noticed. Yeah. And then make, I have a couple questions for you. That make it... These of you follow up. Bearable. Yeah. First of all, there's... Before... You remember how... <laughs> do you remember how Terry Silver... Likes to, <laughs> likes to sit in a sink and just sort of stew in the sink. Not just not just by himself, but when he's got company yeah. of, of various ages and sexes. Old ladies, yeah. young men, doesn't matter right. who's coming in. He's Indiscriminate. Naked in, in the, the sink. sink. Before yeah. that, <laughs> and I don't think we noticed this, man. Uh-huh. They show our boy Terry Silver uh-huh. in a schwitz. Oh, he's taking a schwitz he's like a gentleman. A like us. And he's closing deals, plutonium deals. Yes, on dude. on guess what kind of phone? Cordless. Pull out the cord. He's on in the Schwitz. We got he's got now he's got a modesty towel over his lap to yeah, hide yeah, yeah. like his junk and stuff because it's yeah. it's a family movie. Yeah, but he's also got absolutely like right. the uh, the white bath towel around the neck. I like, like that. You do when I you're like that schwitzing. Move. Yeah. And then they show him in the sink. Yep. And he's smoking <laughs> a cigar. Okay. But in between the two... Uh-huh. What? It's a long cigar, isn't it? It is a really long cigar. Freud would have a field day they with that. They call that a Churchill and a half. 
Aaron was a Aaron was an English major, so yeah, she knows the she knows what's going she on. She knows with that about cigar. symbolism. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's absolutely. been in that tub a long time, so I think the cigar stands in for. But we don't have, we don't have to talk about it. In between those two, they show a scene where he's in a tuxedo. Okay. He gets into the back of a Rolls Royce, mm. and he lights up another really long cigar. Subtext: I'm a successful businessman. And yes, right? yes. So. <laughs> I'm, what I'm saying is we like movies that feature prominently things like smoking cigars, riding in cool cars, sorry yeah. we're boring you, Kristen Kluck, mm-hmm. um, taking a schwitz, yes. and sitting in sinks. There's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of gut check core values in this movie. <laughs> Maybe I need to revisit the film, Zach, and I need to view it through new eyes. And what are the questions you, you had you wanted to, you wanted to bounce oh. off me? The, the, I have several. Okay, I'm just going to start at the beginning. Okay. Um, my first question was, what was it that compelled you to revisit this movie? Okay, so my family has this thing where for a while, every Sunday after church, we would eat dinner in front of the TV because mm-hmm. I'm completely you're wrecked because out. it's a work day for you. Yeah, and yeah. I, and it's nice. It's a nice thing to look forward to. We went round robin. I pick a movie. Aaron picks a movie. My son picks a movie. We go around. Sure. And then somehow we got on this thing where we were picking trilogies. Okay. So three weeks in a row, my pick, Back to the Future. Three weeks in a row, Calvin's, it's the Chronicles mm. of Narnia. Mm. We're going around and around. And then I got around to my thing, and I said, we're doing Karate Kid. Mm. We did Karate Kid 1, Karate Kid 2, and they begged me, especially Aaron, yeah. let's watch the reboot of the Karate Kid with Jaden Smith instead of Karate Kid 3 for the third one. Yeah. Or they were even willing to go next Karate Kid with Hillary Swank, which, no. guys, God my witness, mm-hmm. That is a worse movie than Karate Kid 3. We may have to view that together. Let's view it tomorrow. It. It Let's is, do it tomorrow. Uh, it is a steaming turd. I would like to view it. So, <laughs> we watched Karate Kid 3 instead. Okay. And and I was... Here's something I want to tell you. A little side project I'm working on. Yeah. I was taking, <laughs> I was taking notes. I was taking notes. Good. I was taking notes and I, I ran Good. into the other room. Yeah. To the, my little work room. Yeah. And I grabbed the pencil. And I looked around for a minute. The movie was already going. I heard like the mm-hmm. Columbia Pictures or whatever mm-hmm. come up, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find any paper. So I just grabbed a little piece of like thin plywood, mm-hmm. and I brought it in. I was jotting notes down on this piece Good. of wood. Sure. And uh, that was fun. But I was yeah. I'm, I'm doing a little research because I'm actually yeah. working on a gut check book. Okay. It's an ebook. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out I think maybe late this summer. Okay. It's going to be called Cobra Kai and Sanctification. Okay. And it's going to be kind of a combination. Parody of the gospel according to you yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, also being a legitimate look at the kind of uh, Cobra Kai brutality mm-hmm. that we should have mm-hmm. in, in our sanctification. Okay. So I was jotting down some notes on a, a large piece of wood, which I think, by the way, Jim Townsend would appreciate. He would appreciate that. That's how he takes his notes. And that's, okay, that's the answer, a long answer for what prompted us to revisit the film. Yeah, no, that's great. That's I great. forced it upon my family. Okay. Um, Very complimentarian way. Another question is, what do you think the odds are that you and I could acquire one of those cordless um, phones with the, the telescoping antenna tomorrow? Ted, we got a bag phone, so I don't know about tomorrow, but I bet a listener would send us one. Where do you think we'd look? Like sad Goodwill stores? Or? Dude, I was thinking, is Dicker and Deal still a thing here? Oh, yeah. It's bigger yeah. than ever. Really? Let's go to Dicker and Deal Let's tomorrow. go to Dicker and Deal tomorrow. Dicker go, and Deal tomorrow. I want to get crappy DVDs and maybe a cordless phone. Dicker and Deal tomorrow. Yes, dude. <laughs> yes. Dude, are, do you guys still have a landline? No. 
So you have nothing to like plug it in no, to no. or it, use it. It would just go in my office as a reference piece. Yes. <laughs> like a set piece. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is is that all? Are we are we under the you know what? I think we're on to gut check literacy. Let's month. do it. Let's. let's I, think do we have, it. I think we have time for a chapter. We have time for one chapter. No, let's get you. Why yeah. not? You know, I'm caution the wind. Look you at your what? wife. She's yawning with every breath now. Every mm-hmm. time she inhales, it's a yawn. You know what? We'll do. Um, we'll do one to two. One to two. I like that two. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Zach, this is gut check literacy month, and um, for me and and for you, I know that. This company isn't just about our own glory and our own <laughs> accolades and our own single bags of coffee. Um, it's about giving back a bean at a time, <laughs> bean at a time. To, to the listeners. A chapter at a time. Um, and it is, it is fun for me to give back in this way. And what we're doing, if you're new to the program, welcome. You're going to be um, really confused if you're new to the program. You're going to be really, really confused. Whoa. Gut Check Literacy Month has been now uh, a two to three year project <laughs> in which we, we read through chapter by chapter, uh, expositionally, our... We've got a lot going on there in the corner of the studio. You know, it's hard to She do. wants a little attention, I think. You know what? It's hard to do radio under these conditions. You know, you try to be a pro. You want us to leave? You, no. No, I don't. You, tr- you, you try to do everything perfectly, though, you know? I mean, I feel like this show is a well-oiled machine, Zach, in which we, we get everything pitch perfect, we stay true to the notes, and then, and then this stuff happens. But uh, Gut Check Literacy Show months, must go on. Chance to give back. We're reading through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, of um, our two Rapture novels, uh, Re-Raptured, and then the um, highly anticipated sequel, Re-Raptured Again, uh, which is in process. We're nearing the finish line, Zach, of the writing, and uh, that is a fun process, but... As we read through this, uh, we're ready for Chapter 14, Titanium Golf Carts. Um, do you have any setup that you would like to do with this? I think at this point, um, if people haven't been listening and keeping on top of it, uh, it's hopeless for them. So I agree. Who would you like to be in the chapter? I'll be Father Vincent. Father Vincent. He doesn't okay. show up to the second section. This is Chapter 14, Titanium Golf Cart. I believe this is cart. your deal. I think it might be a chapter that I've, I've written with maybe some... Uh, accents or additions from you. So, okay. Um, let's dive in. As it turns out, no one in the villages batted an eye when Dr. Tim Van Shrimpy asked for a titanium skin on his golf cart. He had the space-age bullet and bomb-proof exterior installed on his cart while he enjoyed an early bird dinner at the OK Corral, a western-themed diner in the Wildwood section of the development. Can we do anything about the 21-mile-per-hour governor, Van Shrimpy asked. The man at the old-timey 50s-themed golf cart service station simply laughed at him. (laughs) After his book group appearance, Van Shrimpy discovered two very important things. One, his name still mattered down here, because down here, time stands still. (laughs) And two, he really likes it here. Almost immediately, Van Shrimpy began leafing through the village's real estate magazines and realized that he liked the brand-new breezy stucco aesthetic more than his tiny Brooklyn studio. Van Shrimpy longed for space, and also marble countertops and access to a Jack Nicholas-designed golf course where he is an above-average golfer. (laughs) What's symbolic about the putting on of the titanium is that it represents a kind of transformation for Van Shrimpy himself. What's interesting is that Van Shrimpy can't recognize this symbolism in his own life or anyone else's, which explains a lot about why Van Shrimpy is stuck in his novel-writing endeavors. Regarding the novel-writing, 
Van Shrimpy is a member of several writers' guilds, and it's obvious to everyone in his own group, the Park Slope Writers Collective, that Van Shrimpy's real gifts lie in the area of administration. He will never finish the novel, not down here, what with the Euchre tournaments each morning and all the social events in the evening. Van Shrimpy feels rejuvenated. <laughs> but R.E. the rejuvenation, Morrison isn't so sure. He dials Van Shrimpy several times per day, but to no avail. Van Shrimpy is busy texting his new friends in the villages and doesn't have time for his old writing colleagues. And we get a little page break. I'm worried about Tim, Ross. Morrison growls over a tiny cup of espresso at the Brooklyn Coffee Roastery, Tiny Cups. Oh yeah, this is me. This is you. Do you want to read this? No, go. It's a spin-off from the small plates movement, but since espresso cups are already small, <laughs> these are only about a tablespoon in volume. The cup is engulfed in his giant meaty hand as he tries to make the beverage last. Father Vincent is only half paying attention because he's busy reading the brochure that came with his cup of espresso, explaining the origin of the coffee beans. Huh? huh? Oh, yeah. Huh? <laughs> Let's wait a second yeah, for this yeah, to die down. Yeah. They're laughing at our words. They enjoy us. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Yeah, grief. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm trying to do a radio program here. You know? Huh? Who's Tim Ross? Tim, your neighbor. You're Ross. Actually, my name's Vince. Sorry I lied. Yeah, I don't care, Morrison says. Anyway, what do you think? I think I could see myself working in a place like this, says Vince, absentmindedly stroking his long beard. He has shaved a side part into his hair, and it has swooped over in the Hitler Youth style that is all the rage in hipster circles. The shaved part secretly makes Morrison want to kill him. But the weird thing is, Vince is the only one producing actual publishable writing. <laughs> Morrison continues to hang out with him only for the insightful manuscript notes he provides. Clearly, something is bothering Duke Morrison. Something other than Vince's Hitler Youth haircut and the fact that he just paid $21 for a tiny cup of Kraft coffee. Vince, he says finally, I don't mean to be catty, but can I run something by you? Is this you or me, this catty thing? I don't know. I don't know either. Vince scribbles the word caddy in his moleskin journal, <laughs> shocked that the word came out of the mouth of Duke Morrison, who clearly has been spending a lot of time around both women and writers. <laughs> I think that's me, because I use a lot of commas. <laughs> I'm worried about Tim, Morrison growls. Vince looks at him blankly. Dr. Vince Shrimpy, he says, providing clarification. Worried how? Vince asks. I'm friends with Vince Shrimpy on Snapchat. <laughs> And I've got to tell you, I'm concerned that he's never coming back, the coach growls. He has grown increasingly frustrated by all the snaps of Van Shrimpy's escapades in Florida. <laughs> he's been gone for several weeks, and each day brings more photos of golf and sunsets and line dancing. Van Shrimpy has taken to posting photos of himself in his titanium-skinned golf cart with themed filters, as in sometimes the proud doctor is wearing the snout of the dog <laughs> in his pictures. To say that Morrison doesn't know what to do with this would constitute a huge understatement. <laughs> I've been getting some weird texts from him too, Morrison explains. <laughs> he fishes around in his dress sweats and produces his phone, the screensaver of which is a selfie he took of his wedding to Kate, 
shortly after pronouncing them man and wife on the 50-yard line of Dynex Lifeway Stadium. Wait, let me see that again, says Vince, grabbing the phone. It, the forceful grabbing, is the most masculine thing he's done, probably ever. (laughs) (laughs) Can I see the original photo of that? He asks before diving right into Morrison's photo archive, which archive is filled mostly with pictures that Morrison took of the New York skyline out the window of his apartment. Morrison, as it turns out, has a knack for urban photography. Vince finds the picture and uses his thumb to expand it. Who's that way in the background on the light stanchion? Morrison lowers his glasses and sort of holds the phone away from his face in the fashion of grizzled old men. (laughs) This somehow just makes him look more awesome. (laughs) Judas Priest, he says, looking at the image of a wild-eyed Tim Van Shrimpy sharing the light stanchion with his former quarterback. Yeah, adds Vince. And we get a little page break. As Morrison walks home, he recognizes immediately the quintessential New Yorkness of the moment. It's evening, it's raining. The lights of the city are like reflecting off of the puddles and the signs and stuff, <laughs> making the city look even more electric than usual. Man, I. Hang on. Man, I effing hate this place. Morrison mumbles to no one in particular. If Morrison were more into writing these kinds of scenes, he would totally write this up when he got home. This is a thing that he for sure won't do. (laughs) When Morrison gets home, he notes how tired Kate looks and then immediately forgets about it. (laughs) Sometimes Duke Morrison isn't great at marriage because of how hard it is to always consider the needs of another person. (laughs) He flops down on the couch and fires up his laptop. Babe. I need to go to Orlando for a coaching convention, he explains. Morrison gets invited to two kinds of conventions. One's about Marcel Proust and one's about coaching football. It goes without saying that the evening partying situation is much better at the second kind. The comment about the coaching convention barely registers on Kate's exhausted-looking face. She is watching something on HGTV about a family with 12 kids. In this case, watching looks more like just her zoning out in front of the gigantic Dynex while sipping on a bottle bottle of vitamin C water. Morrison wishes it were Gatorade, because he used to have an endorsement deal with Gatorade and still has nostalgic feelings for it. Even though the Orlando football convention totally sounds like a lie just to get him in proximity to Van Shrimpy, it actually isn't a lie. There's actually a convention at which he'll give a presentation on coverage liabilities in zone blitz packages. He's a better-than-average public speaker, what with the rough charisma. During the walk home in the rain, Morrison thought through several things and made a plan based on the following. One, he could totally go to Orlando and make it not look weird because of the convention. Granted, this would mean neither he nor Van Shrimpy would be able to man the Park Slope booth at the WOW conference. Maybe this kid Ross could handle it. (laughs) Two, Vince was all like, whoa, about the picture, but Morrison obviously knew all all the Van Shrimpy stuff that went down on our day at the stadium because clearly Van Shrimpy didn't bloody his own nose and tape himself up with athletic tape under a desk. But here's the thing that bothered Morrison the most about the photo. The fact that Van Shrimpy was wearing a Strongbow jersey. It indicates that Van Shrimpy has a deep admiration for Strongbow. The kind of admiration that would allow a grown man to purchase and wear another grown man's jersey, which is a weird and infantile thing for a grown man to do. (laughs) It planted the following seed of doubt in Duke Morrison's mind. Three... 
Does Van Shrimpy like Strongbow more than me? <laughs> the idea that Van Shrimpy was somehow cozying up, even on a thought level, to his former backup quarterback filled Morrison with a sort of platonic, non-sexual, jealous rage. Because, dot, 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 for, despite, because of, his alpha male stature, Duke Morrison doesn't have a lot of guy friends. Oh, And wow. that's the end of the chapter. Tough for Duke Exploration. Morrison. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. A lot of marriage stuff, too. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to call this a marriage book, but it, it but could it probably is be. Yeah, it yeah, could probably be marketed as such. You know? Aaron, you could write that copy, probably. We could learn through Duke and Duke and Kate's relationship and um, you know a lot of other characters, too. I think it's on. time for uh, chapter Dad, 15, Dad Bod. Dad Bod. Is this, this is one of mine, right? This, this is, your first part's you and the second part's me. All right, chapter 15 is called Dad Bod. Um, so we're going to follow in this chapter Duke Morrison down to Orlando. We're just oh, going to oh. take the trip with him. Okay, in the first part, can I be um, Kate? Yeah. Just to keep Ted from, from like doing the falsetto doing the voice, voice and yeah. then feeling like he's committed to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would be great. And then... Um, you know, I think either... Either of the women in the room could be Kate. You know what, Aaron? You want to be Kate? Let's let Aaron be Kate. That Aaron, you be Kate. Yeah. You created Here. Kate, didn't you? This is chapter 15, Dad Bod. Duke Morrison never checks a bag, and as such, it never takes him long to pack. He's filling his officially licensed Denver Values team duffel bag with team gear when he notices Kate standing in the doorway. You okay, babe? He asks. He really cares. He really means it. This is one of the things she loves about him. If Duke Morrison is talking, what is coming out of his mouth means something. This, she thinks, makes him totally unlike most other people. I'm not Duke. She replies. I mean, I am, technically. But I'm not, in that there's something that I've been keeping from you. Morrison's face flushes. He knew it. He knew that one of those clean-cut TV douchebags had made a run at her. <laughs> knew it. <laughs> Morrison flushes with rage not only at that, the TV douches, but also at the magnitude of his own insecurity. It's shocking given that he's Duke Morrison. But Morrison keeps his cool outwardly. Because you don't become the Doers Barbasol ASFL Coach of the Year by always blowing your stack. I want to show you something, Duke. She says, grabbing his hand. Even though her eyes are tired, there's an excited look in them. Morrison would be a liar if he said that he was anything but massively confused at this point. She leads him out of their apartment and down the building's super tasteful hallway to another, to another apartment. He thinks he can faintly hear the wail of babies through the closed door. Weird. She fishes a key out of her pocket and opens the door, at which point Morrison sees the following. A bunch of babies, a super harried-looking girl, and an otherwise massive, impressive New York apartment that has been retrofitted to become a really impressive nursery. Duke, meet your children, Kate says, before then collapsing into tears that are a function of fatigue, relief, happiness, and sadness. <laughs> she keeps an eye on Duke to see how he'll react. He drops the officially licensed values team duffel and immediately starts snuggling with a bunch of babies, which, unbeknownst to anyone, including his wife, Duke really secretly likes a lot. Kate is confused by how unconfused Duke seems. Ultra jest, he says, arching an eyebrow after first hugging and kissing and comforting his wife in a way that is extremely appropriate and comforting. I found it in your workout bag. 
she explains. I knew you got free samples from being on the board, and I'm sorry, I just... Duke is relieved that she doesn't ask why the drugs were in his workout bag, because the reason why is really embarrassing. The reason why is that Duke Morrison was taking Ultragest for its supposed anabolic qualities, and he had, in fact, added 25 pounds to his bench press in the last month. Morrison works out as though he were still a player, and, in fact, still dreams of playing. So how many kids do we have? He asks, which is a thing he never thought he'd be asking, but once overheard a wide receiver for the values asking a stripper. In both cases, the question was asked earnestly and without humor. <laughs> Eleven. She explains. Duke, it was so hard at church. Editors note, they are members at Covenant Cornerstone Reformed Church of Manhattan, or CCRCM. Week after week, I just... I felt so alone and worthless because we had no kids. I didn't want to bother you with it. She cries into his unusually firm pectoral muscle, a happy result of the ultra jest for him. <laughs> well, now we have a mid-sized CCRCM family, he says. She smiles. She looks happier than she's looked in weeks and shares with Morrison that she started having kids last Wednesday and had the last one that morning after yoga. You... You were so busy with your writing group, and we're making so much progress on your novel. She says. It seemed like it was just a bad time. He smiles sheepishly because he thinks his novel is actually bad. She smiles earnestly because she knows it's actually good. They agree that Duke will name the boys and Kate will name the girls, for the sake of efficiency. The results are as follows. Boys. Duke Morrison Morrison. <laughs> Walter Payton Morrison. Troy Aikman Morrison, Joe Morris Morrison, Lawrence Taylor Morrison, and Val Kilmer Morrison. Girls, Paula Cole Morrison, Tori Amos Morrison, Sarah McLachlan Morrison, Fiona Apple Morrison, Gina Davis Morrison. You should quit your job, Morrison says, and I don't mean that in a traditionally patriarchal, controlling, and sexist way. I mean it in a way that suggests that we now have 11 kids, and also, who is this girl here? <laughs> Kate's nanny waves feebly. He could swear he's seen her before. She looks deeply miserable. Kate, on the other hand, throws her arms around Duke's neck and kisses him grandly on the lips. I have a resignation letter ready, she says. Duke smiles and suggests that she should do some writing again. She smiles because she's already 24,000 words into a motherhood memoir. <laughs> As they break their embrace, they have separate, semi-troubling epiphanies. Duke's involves pulling out his phone, powering up the display, which is already zoomed in in the top of the light stanchion on that fateful night. With a meaty sausage finger, he swipes down slightly to a point about halfway up the light post. There, hanging on for dear life is the young woman who has apparently been caring for his rapidly growing family. He's not sure that what this means, but he knows he doesn't like it. Kate's epiphany is far more upsetting. She'd been willing to let go of the names she'd chosen for her babies. They, the babies, had been coming so swiftly that she'd taken to naming them after whatever item was closest. Example. Swiffer Wetjet Russell Morrison. <laughs> but there was one name that had apparently meant something. Although Kate had yet to determine what. The first baby, Alex. The one that had been growing so quickly, now able to climb out of his crib and get his own bottle from the fridge. 
He'd even said his first words the night before, according to Emma. But where is he now? Where is baby Alex? Oh, boy. Zach, it's a little cliffhanger. It is, you know? indeed. It's a little cliffhanger. It's a page-turner. Um, it makes you want more of our book. It makes you want more of our words. It, it makes, makes you, you want more, more of our coffee. More of our coffee, which is Ligaris Roasters Gut Check Signature Blend Espresso. Uh, a cup of which goes great with uh, a great rapture novel like Re-Raptured or Re-Raptured Again. Um, Zach, I wish I could say that we would be uh, grinding up uh, a fresh pot of Ligaris Roasters <laughs> Gut Check Signature Blend Espresso tomorrow morning, but alas, uh, we will not be um, because we have... <laughs> because you didn't bring me any. Because I didn't bring you any. Um, I sense that you're mad at me. I'm not mad. Are you upset with me? No. You know what? I'm upset with this system. You're upset with the system. You're upset with, with what got us to this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Well, I know what it was. It was getting one bag of coffee and then not, not getting any more coffee. I, I blame Church Curmudgeon. I do too. I blame Church Curmudgeon and what's more, I want 30%. 30%. I want 30% of the take. Tomorrow the offer is going to be 35. That's right. So if we don't hear from you in 24 hours, the offer comes up, it goes up 5% with each day. Each day that we're kept waiting as a company. Um, I'm going to wait in my office, in my dimly lit office behind my huge mahogany desk. With, with the uh, cordless phone on it. With the cordless phone on it, just waiting for the phone to ring. I'm going to suspend all other business. Until we take care of this issue. Much like how uh, Terry Silver said, my full-time job from now on is revenge. I remember the third question. I remember what I wanted Ooh, to ask you. The third question. Tell me again what, uh, what, what, what the, the villain character, the primary villain character's nickname was. The karate. His name was the bad boy the of bad karate. The bad boy yeah. of karate. Dude, how much fun do you think it would be to be the bad boy of karate? And what's more... Do you think we're the bad boys of podcasting? Do you think we wear that hat? Is that is that is that where we've where we've come in this business? Hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't it's know. It's a hypothetical. That's I don't know the, the answer. Just two guys chopping it up. Just two guys chopping it up. Two guys conversating. It was meant for discussion, but uh, but I sense that your uh, your time is up in, this, in the Nakatomi smoke, smoke room. My time is up in the Nakatomi smoke room. We can leave that question just hanging there. Well, maybe we can address it again in episode 100. 100. Yeah. We're going to be up 200. We're going to be up 200 by midnight. It's actually 1230. And uh, you know where you know we're going to be. We're going to be up 30% by midnight tomorrow. <laughs> okay. This has been the Gut Check Podcast, and we will see you next time. We Trouble.